Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. Welcome to another week of Let's Go There on Channel Q. Oh, someone's excited today. You know, that's how I feel. <laughs> got the Monday motivation. Uh, Same. It's it, Shira. Ryan is out. Shar is back with me. Even though I just watched Ryan yesterday, the VMAs were yesterday, and I watched him do the after show with my friend Asante. That was nice Love to it. see. I liked his outfit and his oh makeup. Oh my God. Did the red carpet and everything. Yeah. Go over to his Instagram and check that out. At the Slay God. Yes, the Slay God, darling. Yes. You had a good weekend, Shira? I did. I organized my room. I hadn't unpacked from a trip, from my Mexico trip. So I oh closed my God. everywhere. That was a month ago. It's, it was the beginning of the month. <laughs> so it's been three weeks. Okay. And yes, it was needed. And then I'm organizing, you know, to get getting ready to go to Burning Man. <laughs> Lord have mercy. The more and more I talk about it, like partially I'm like, yeah, and partially I'm like, oh God, what did I get myself into? Yeah, I had a pretty busy weekend. One of my best friends sold his show. He's a he's a TV writer. Cool. He sold his first show and then I had a housewarming to attend. And then yesterday, one of my best friends who's a huge barb threw a Nicki Minaj party because you know she was honored at the VMAs yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I was there to support him, not Nicki. Sorry, barbs. But okay. I was there to support my friend. So yeah, it was jam-packed. But I took a nap. Yes. You know, I'm not a napnista, but I ended up taking a nap. You know what? Let's talk about the benefits of napping later this hour because there are benefits. And I'm going to give you some tips on how to take the ultimate nap. Okay, Okay. Uh, and also coming up in 15 minutes, Maxwell Frost, who could become the first Gen Zer in Congress, is joining us. Uh, plus, we've got some VMAs drama with Lizzo in a moment but and how she's clapping back. Yes, but before we get into the what's in the news, Channel Q wants to send you and a guest to Vegas to see the supreme diva, Diana Ross. The iconic Miss Ross returns for a limited engagement at Win Las Vegas, September 21st to October 1st. Head on over to wearechannelq.com and enter for your chance to win. I want to go. Can I enter for my chance to win? I don't think you can, but maybe just call I up some people. I love Diana Ross. Yeah, epic. She's an icon. <laughs> Let's get into some What's Trending This Hour headlines, though, right now. You know, uh, same-sex partners, surviving partners, could qualify for Social Security survivor benefits. For decades, same-sex couples, like different sex couples, paid into Social Security but did not receive equal access to benefits because of discriminatory marriage equality bans. Because of those laws, in the event of a partner's death, many surviving same-sex partners and spouses didn't qualify for Social Security survivor's benefits. Recently, though, the U.S. Social Security Administration announced that more same-sex partners and spouses are now eligible to receive 
survivors' benefits. And the Social Security Administration also released a short video and fact sheet, so you can go check it out. It's called Survivor Benefits for Same-Sex Partners and Spouses. And it informs the LGBTQ plus community about new rights related to this. So definitely something worth knowing more about. Find out more at ssa.gov. You know, this was sad for a lot of people who woke up very early early for this. NASA called off the launch of its new moon rocket on its debut flight with three test dummies aboard today after a last-minute cascade of problems culminating in unexplained trouble related to an engine. The next launch attempt will not take place until Friday at the earliest and could be delayed until mid-September or later. Wow. Yeah, the mission will be the first flight in NASA's Artemis project, a quest to put astronauts back on the moon for the first time since the Apollo program ended 50 years ago. That just made me think, I know we're not in the T-Report yet, but but Nichelle Nichols, who's the actress from Star Trek, her yeah. ashes, are they're taking them to space. No they're way. being blasted into oh space. So that's a nice oh little my. gift, yeah. Well, that was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment. Oh my gosh. So, comedy has been Aries Spears, who, if you're like me, you grew up watching Mad TV, which was funnier than SNL. I'm willing to die on that hill. He used to star on that show, but since then, he's gone on to be a miserable misogynist. And this is Char speaking, okay? My opinion. Um, he recently had some comments about Lizzo over the weekend, and Lizzo responded. Take a listen to what he had to say. Yo, you know somebody that actually made good music, man? Lizzo. Lizzo? Yeah, bro. Have you heard her yo? Like, as a songwriter, yo. I, I can't get past the fact that she looks like the emoji. Yo. Very beautiful girl. she got a very pretty face. But she keeps showing her body off. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Why I should, so angry? I should mention that he is in this interview sweating himself. And take note that the interviewer asked him about Lizzo's music, and he then went on to attack her appearance. Yeah. He's so miserable. Nevertheless, Lizzo won some awards last night, and during her acceptance speech, she clapped back. And I'm going to say this is a clap back to Kathy Hilton as well, because Lizzo just minds her business and keeps getting attacked. Take a listen to what she had to say. And now, to the that got something to say about me in the press... You know what? I'm not going to say nothing. They be like, Lizzo, why don't you clap back? Why don't you clap back? Because I'm winning. She is winning. That is the best revenge. You know, Lizzo's from Houston, as is Beyonce. Beyonce says, stay gracious. The best revenge is your paper. And I totally agree. Wow. Uh, That's the tea report for this hour. You want to stick around because I got more coming up for you next hour. Amazing. Well, next up, Maxwell Frost, who could be the first Gen Zer in Congress from Florida, joins us to talk more about his win and what's ahead after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Maxwell Frost made news last week when he won the Democratic primary for Florida's 10th congressional district. At 25, he's poised to become the first Gen Z member of Congress. And Maxwell joins us now on Let's Go There. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, this is so exciting. Huge. Uh, Yes. This is the beginning of a long career for you, I'm sure. (laughs) And I feel like we'll look back at this interview and be like, we remember him when. But what's the past week been like for you and all these headlines? I'm sure it's been a lot. It it has been a lot. It's been, like, intense. It's been uh, exciting. It's been kind of everything, right? It's like like that movie, Everything All at Once or (laughs) whatever. You know, it's just like so many feelings, but 
you know, the, the top paramount feeling is of gratitude for my community, gratitude for the people who, a lot of folks who put their lives on hold to like knock doors, make phone calls and ensure that we'd be successful here. So just so much gratitude to my community and the people who believe in me and who currently believe in me in the campaign we ran. I love that. It brings us so much hope here at Channel Q. Now, I know that your district uh, includes Pulse Nightclub, and you've gone on record to say that you're more than an ally. You're you're a partner to the LGBTQ community. Uh, expound on that. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I think, and, and yeah, I mean, right now, currently in my campaign office, which is like less than 10 minutes away from Pulse Nightclub, where we lost 49 angels due to bigotry, due to homophobia, due to hate. And for me, it's important that we have folks in office and Congress and positions of leadership across this country who, yes, are going to be more than just allies to marginalized communities and to especially our LGBTQ plus family and siblings here, um, but be real partners and be real accomplices in the fight. And so what that means is, you know, I, I always say what shows the true strength of a movement is not what you're doing when it's in the news and when everyone cares, but what you're doing when, you know, it's not in the news and when the real work is happening. And for me, that's how we're going to, you know, achieve justice for all marginalized communities, especially our queer brothers, sisters, and siblings. And so it's fighting in Congress for the legislation we need, but it's also being here and protesting when needed. And it's also being an active member of the community as an accomplice and an ally in the fight. Um, and, it, and it means, you know, being a, mem- being a part of the culture, right? Like just understanding everything, um, I think, is important when we talk about advocating with and for communities. Definitely. And with that, you are in a state that has been harsh and traumatic, to say the least, for the queer community. How do you plan on protecting LGBTQ folks, specifically queer youth in Florida and, you know, in a state where you have someone like DeSantis? Yeah, well, I mean, we need to ensure that we are fighting for bold transformational protections at the federal level. So, yes, that means the Equality Act, ensuring that, I mean, I don't know why the Equality Act isn't law right now, right? Like, we need to make sure that we get that passed. But aside from that as well, we need to also ensure that we're being creative. And we got to think about states where uh, we have, you know, marginalized communities living in that are run by people like DeSantis, uh, especially like here in Florida. You know, he has done, he has targeted schools and is looking to erase trans folks, looking to erase queer people um, from our classrooms and silencing them. How do we work with the Department of Education? How do we craft legislation that protects our children, trans kids um, uh, uh, in these environments? And I think a lot of times people lose sight of what folks in other states are going through. And we need to look at us as, you know, we're all part of this grand mosaic of humanity. We are all connected. Our struggles are connected. And for me, it's knowing that um, and pushing forward. So we need to pass legislation to protect kids. We need to pass legislation to protect, um, you know, adults. And sometimes we got to get creative in the way that we do that. Now, do you feel any pressure? Because I've seen you be called, you know, the the future of the Democratic Party. And I know that you're the first uh, Gen Z, you know, first member of Gen Z that's posed to be in, you know, in Congress. Do you feel any pressure with with all of these titles that people are thrusting up and, and expectations that people are thrusting onto you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's a sense of that. But I'll say more than that is that I try my best to push back. Right. I am, you know, I, I get a lot of DMs from people and 
Thank you all. Love everybody so much and all the love they're giving me. Like, please don't take what I'm about to say wrong. But, you know, people who hit me up and say, like, you're going to save us. You're going to do this. And what I like to be is I like to be clear and direct with folks. I'm not a savior. Um, me alone, I, I like me alone isn't going to get us tomorrow the bull transformational change we need. I am one in 435 people. Mm. Now, I don't say that to diminish the moment or what we worked for, because this is a historic moment. But I, but I really hope people, folks know, though, is that it's not just about one person. It's about a greater movement. And even though, yes, like my Angelo says, like I come as one, I stand as 10,000. Mm-hmm. We need to work at getting those 10,000 in the halls of Congress. Not, not literally, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, you know, we're, yeah, e- either way. Yeah, we, we need to work at getting folks uh, elected in the halls of Congress, uh, uh, state legislatures. We need to get folks in county commissions and, you know, it's really important to me. And so either way, like my election alone will not get us what we need, but it is mm-hmm. a small part of a big puzzle. And I'm honored to play that part. Definitely. And with that, we're actually going to take a break and we want to talk to you more about your campaign, how you got to raising $1.5 million and so much more. So stick around. We're talking to Maxwell Frost, who at 25 is again, could become the first Gen Z member of Congress after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Again, we're talking to Maxwell Frost. Last week, he actually won the Democratic primary for Florida's 10th congressional district. And again, not to like be, you know, age consuming here mm-hmm. or ageist, mm-hmm. but he's young, yeah. 25 years old. What were you doing at 25? Oh, gosh, you don't even yes. want to know. I was in L.A. doing some Especially crazy in comparison to Maxwell. Exactly. <laughs> and now he's made headlines because he's going to become the first Gen Z member of Congress if voted in. So Maxwell, again, is with us. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So before the break, we did talk about your uh, care as a partner accomplice for the LGBTQ community, and we really appreciate that. We want to know more about your campaign and your plans. You actually outraised your nearest opponent uh, opponent more than two to one with $1.5 as of August. What was your strategy there? That's a pretty big number. Well, you know, and, and I'll also say uh, we, you know, we had 1.5 million raised by that last report and by election night when it was called, we had raised 2 million. And, you know, that's really a, a testament to the team we built. I'll be honest, when we first started this campaign, uh, I was not raising money <laughs> like mm-hmm. we needed to. And so we had to take a step back and figure out, like, how do we how do we do this thing? Because the traditional way is not working for this, like, young black latino uh 25 year old organizer and so uh we you know decided to involve our volunteers in it we decided to figure out how do we take organizing components to raise money and so there's something called call time so people know and something i want to do over the next few months too is work to destigmatize and really show people how campaigns work so there's something called call time is where candidates call donors or potential donors and just pitch yourself it's kind of like you're a telemarketer, like not going to lie. It's like that. It's, it's kind of like that. And, you know, you get people hanging up on you. You get people who like you. And sometimes you get people who donate. And it's just calling those folks and making a pitch for your campaign and your candidacy. Um, but the thing is that you can never control what, how people are going to react to you or your story, but you can control the amount of calls you can make. And as someone who's been an organizer for many, many years on campaigns, I know that you want to get as many calls out as possible. So I started having friends come over, literally like five to 10 friends a night. I'd entice them with a few bottles of wine. Um, And uh, we would just sit around a table and everyone would just be dialing, literally dialing down these lists. 
And what it allowed us to do is it allowed us to do the work of a week in a day. And this is what I did 40 hours a week for a year to raise the money we needed. We also had a very, uh, a really uh, intense and good digital program, texting and emailing to get out there. And just want to shout out Grassroots Analytics, which is our digital firm with all young people who really helped dig in with me. And so what I always like to say is we didn't raise money, we organized the money. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in knowing as someone who's on the ground there in Florida, I'm reading an article about you on the Hill right now where it says that you campaigned against gun violence and, and, you know, for abortion rights in organizations like March for Our Lives and the American Civil Liberties Union. I'm interested in knowing in your view, what is the political climate like there? Because I don't live in Florida, but I got to tell you, every headline that comes out of Florida seems as if, you know, it's it's anti-woman, it's anti-LGBTQ. But I mean, you're making history on the Democratic side. So what would you say it's like there? Well, you know, we are much like any other state, right? I know there's a lot of the memes about Florida and everything, oh, but, yes. you know, <laughs> But we are really a beautiful state um, of so many different types of people, working class people just crying out for help and relief and who are just looking to live their best lives. Right. Um, And we are such a bed here of culture and music and art and just so much beautiful things going on. I obviously love my city and but I love Florida as a whole. And um, I think, you know, it's really unfortunate that we have a governor who is a dictator, who is fascist and who is scapegoating the most vulnerable communities for every single issue he's failed to solve. I mean, he's more interested in running for president than running the state. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what gets you to this place where this past year he has said, you know what, if you're having a problem, guess what? It's the fault of our queer uh, queer folks. You're having a problem, it's trans folks. You're having a problem, it's black folks. You're having a problem, it's immigrants. Mm-hmm. And that scapegoating of vulnerable communities is what creates harm, both you know emotionally, culturally, and actual physical harm that will translate to the death of people in this state. We have to be very honest and blunt about it. But what it also does is paint a picture of an entire state because of the governor. And what I always tell people is, listen to me, every statewide election here is close, right? I mean, it was like 30,000 votes from Andrew Gillum to Ron DeSantis. We're not a state that's like, you know, do not let DeSantis, you know, you know, that's he doesn't represent everyone here. And that's obvious with my election in this race. I am in the heart of Florida. And we just elected a Gen Z, you know, black Latino members of Congress who is an accomplice to the LGBTQ plus community and marginalized communities all around. And so what I want folks to realize is we're not a state that needs to be, you know, made. I mean, you know, make your memes and stuff like I love jokes, but we're a state that needs uh, more resources. And yeah. more organizing, not less. Yeah. Where can people find more and support what you're up to, by the way? Yeah, people can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. It's at Maxwell Frost FL. That's M A X W E L L F R O S T F L. Um, and you can also check out my website, frostforcongress.com. I will say, I still have a general election. I'm going up against someone who believes that, uh, you know, our LGBTQ plus community should not be able to marry. And in, in a community like Orlando, that's disqualifying. So if you want to donate to help us out, it could be really helpful. You can go to frostforcongress.com. I always say whether it's, you know, no donation's too small and no donation is certainly too big. But technically there is a donation that's too big. There's a limit. But either way, uh, folks who <laughs> want to go to my website, they, they can help donate. All right. Amazing. Well, that was Maxwell, Maxwell Frost. Thank you so much. Really best of luck. Yes. We look forward to talking to you more in the future.
Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. You too. All right, we'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You might need to nap more than you ever did before. You know why? Because of climate change. External temperatures can actually impact your energy, emotion, sleep quality. And now scientists are exploring how climate changes can impact our human behavior, including our sleep. Really? Yes. So Okay, I'm listening. They said a recent study suggests that the desire for a mid-afternoon nap could be biologically determined and affected by external temperatures. Northwestern University scientists discovered, and because, do you know insects? We have 70% of the same genes as insects. Oh, is that supposed they, to be make me feel bad for killing them? <laughs> yes. When they come into my apartment exactly. uninvited? Uh, they, so they tested the fruit fly to see, I guess, oh, I definitely uh, kill to compare those. behavior. Or no, they discover that the fruit fly is pre-programmed to rest in the middle of the day. They are the first to find absolutely heat receptors in the fly brain that respond to temperatures above 77 degrees Fahrenheit, which means that it could cause, you know, uh, more naps. Like so the warmer you are, the yeah. more inclined you are to nap. Yeah, also because energy in general. Okay. Uh, you're, you know, yeah, you're consuming a... more energy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, naps are actually good for you. Uh, so the more and more we're leaning into this, you might want to lean more and more into napping. But there are ways to nap and ways you shouldn't nap. First, before I get into that, are you a nap person? No, I am not. I never have been. I can remember back in preschool when you had to lay on those cots for nap time. I'd be wide awake staring oh, yeah. at the ceiling. Are you kidding me? Waiting for the next topic to talk about. <laughs> I do not. Even at 34, like it takes an extreme instance for me to take a nap I just don't like it I figure like let me save this for nighttime and because I deal with insomnia so it's like if I'm tired I'm just gonna just power through until it is time to climb into the bed for the final you know few hours all right yeah I'm into naps I like what they say is a disco nap and just three things you need to take that's like a little 10 minute nap Kim Kardashian does yeah you need to keep your nap short or else the longer you nap the more likely you are to feel groggy and actually that does impact your (laughs) sleep for three hours on Saturday (laughs) well you know there's a reason that then there's just like you have time to get extra sleep take naps in the early afternoon napping after 3 p.m. can interfere with your nighttime sleep and create a restful environment to nap in a quiet dark place with comfortable temperature and few distractions. Mm. There you go. Your napping tips for the day. Next up, we've got what's trending this hour. A Finnish prime minister got caught uh, partying. <laughs> now had to... And, and everybody's mad about it yes, for some so reason. Yes, so more about her response and now <laughs> apology after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, we're back. Thanks for hanging out with us on this lovely Monday. More music coming up. And actually, before we get into... What's happening on the show? We got a fun giveaway. Yes. Stop in the name of love, Shira Lazar, because guess what? Channel Q wants to send one of our lucky listeners and a guest to Vegas to see the supreme diva, Diana Ross. The iconic Miss Ross returns for a limited engagement at the Win Las Vegas, September 21st to October 1st. So this is peak Libra season. Head on over to wearechannelq.com and enter for your chance to win. Love it. Okay, well, let's get into some what's trending this hour. And by the way, uh, stick around in 30 minutes. We're talking about the trend of quiet quitting, how it's expanded, because I know we've already talked about that. But there's an update to the trend. Oh, my gosh. And uh, some tea with Char. Britney Spears is sharing some inspiring words. Well, she spoke out. I don't know if everything is the most inspiring. She spoke out in a 20-minute video that's been deleted, telling her side of the story with her family. Her mom even responded. Yeah, we'll talk about it. All right, let's get into some headlines right now. Finnish Prime Minister Sana Marin is apologizing after a picture of two women who were topless and kissing at a party held at her house in July was posted online. Now, this is the same Prime Minister that was called out for another post where she was seen at this party drinking, looking drunk. They tried, they got her to do a drug test and it was negative. But she's a very young prime minister and everything that's been happening to her is very ageist and sexist actually. But unfortunately, she had to apologize for this saying, in my opinion, the picture is not appropriate. I apologize for that. I think that's really 
unfortunate, actually. It's interesting to see how politics just globally are going to move forward because, you know, as we age, people are going to be partying more. You realize in our lifetime, we will have a presidential candidate who has nudes on the Internet. Probably. Just the way the culture is. Like, it'll be interesting to see what the conversation or how the conversation shifts. But, like, this looks like a picture that could have been taken at Pride or something like that. So her saying that kind of picture should not have been taken, but otherwise nothing extraordinary happened at the get-together. It's like... Who cares? It's someone else. Why? I mean, obviously but when you're it's your a politician, party. you're not supposed to totally. look like you're partying at, mm-hmm. at a place like Pride. Yeah. You're there to wave in your three-piece suit and hand out There's rainbow someone flags. Someone else, though, at any rate. <laughs> it's unfortunate how she's been treated, but she's been handling it pretty well. Moving on to a school district in southwestern Missouri who decided to bring back spanking as a form of discipline for students if their parents agree, despite warnings from many public health experts that the practice is detrimental to students. Classes resumed in Cassville School District for the first time since the school board in June approved bringing corporal punishment back to the district about 60 miles southwest of Springfield. The district had actually dropped the practice in 2001. Superintendent Merrill Johnson told their local news that the decision came after an anonymous survey found that parents, students, and school employees were concerned about student behavior and discipline. Oh, my God. Uh, Did you just snort? Yes. It just, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're concerned. So why don't we just bring back the spanking? That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News. Music icon Britney Spears has shared several horrifying new claims about her controversial 13-year conservatorship. Now, in a now-deleted 20-minute audio recording published just yesterday, the emotional star revealed a set of fresh details. Now, this was kind of heartbreaking. Britney, in this video, you know, she details, she can now talk about this, I guess. I didn't know that there was a legal agreement that her father had her locked down to, but she said, they literally killed me. They threw me away. That's what it felt like. My family threw me away. Now, before I, I read her mom's response to to this 20-minute video exposing everything and everyone, I want to play a quick clip. And but so if you- you're a weird, if you're a weird introvert oddball like me, who feels alone a lot of the time, and you needed to hear a story like this today so you don't feel alone, know this, my life has been far from easy and you're not alone. I mean, I just love Britney Jane Spears. Now, her mother, Lynn Spears, took to Instagram and said, Britney, your whole life, I have tried my best to support your dreams and wishes. And also, I have tried my best to help you out of hardships. I have never and will never turn my back on you. She also went on to say that she's not having this conversation publicly. It it needs to happen, you know, face to face, in person, mother to daughter. You need like a mediator. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I trust Jamie Jamie Spears, Lynn Spears, or Jamie Lynn Spears, or the brother, which I just recently found out Britney had a brother. I thought it was just her and Jamie Lynn. She has an older brother who kind of stays out of it all. Although he he was captured on a podcast uh, a few years back. This was when all this stuff was happening, yeah. talking about it or being asked about it. But yeah, he's a bit less in the spotlight. I'm Team Brittany, and we'll see how this all unfolds. I'm ready for her to sit down with Oprah, finally. That's the tea report for this hour. Stick around. I got more for you next hour. Well, after this, more on the LGBTQ candidates that won their Florida primaries and the trends that could be hitting the rest of the country. Hopefully, you know, so some things change once and for all after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
You know, we reported about this last week, how six LGBTQ candidates won their Florida primaries. All, of course, opposed the state's don't say gay law. We also had earlier on a 25-year-old Maxwell Frost on the show, who is just incredible, right? Yeah, so, he's really good. Uh, I, I think we're seeing a positive trend to unfortunate circumstances. And back with us is Sean Malloy, the VP of Political Programs at the Victory Institute, as we dive into this conversation. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. So I'm assuming you all have been following, possibly have also supported the campaigns of some of these people. Is that true? Yeah, we've uh, endorsed and supported all of them. Okay. So yeah, you leave no one behind. <laughs> Literally. So are, are are these recent laws encouraging folks to run more than ever before, unfortunately? You know, it's, uh, what we're seeing is it's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, some folks are inspired to step up and run um, and, you know, fight them, uh, fight these bills and, and fight for our rights directly. Uh, but then other folks, uh, you know, there's a, a tax on LGBTQ people, whether it's through legislation or through, you know, hate crimes are on the increase. And so some folks are, you know, a little scared to step forward. But we are working to get as many people to step forward as we can uh, to support them because we need more LGBTQ voices in government. What do you think this says about the current state of Florida politics? Because it seems to be... Like, just to the naked eye, you know, it seems to be that, okay, people are now stepping up, people are winning, and they're being, you know, outwardly vocal in their opposition to Don't Say Gay. Um, What does this say about the current state of Florida politics? Uh, I think it, you know, is an important statement. Um, You know, Florida has a large LGBTQ population. They've had folks elected at local office, um, and then now uh, we are represented in both chambers of the legislature. And having our voices there to combat this hatred, this bigotry, um, and, and send a message, uh, not only to Ron DeSantis and the Republican extremists that are pushing this, but to the rest of the country, right? You know, a lot of people still see Florida as a swing state and to say that this is not appropriate here um, and it's not helping and not really solving the, the problems of Floridians. Can you share more about some of these folks who won? Like, who do we need to know more about? Yeah, you know, uh, two folks that have been in legislature and uh, we need to make sure we're sending back, um, uh, you know, are Carlos Guillermo Smith, state representative from the Orlando area. He's been fighting um, for our community um, consistently and um, was actually specifically targeted uh, by Republicans in the map and the map making that they did uh, to favor Republicans. Uh, And so he has a tougher district than he did before. Um, And so we're really making sure that he continues to be a champion along with Chevron Jones, uh, the first ever state senator uh, that's an out LGBTQ person. Uh, he is now going to be returning to the state legislature uh, in the state Senate uh, because he does not have a Republican opponent in the fall. He won his primary last week. Uh, uh, and they joined Michelle Rayner, you know, first queer black woman <laughs> elected uh, to the legislature. Uh, and they are hopefully going to be joined by two more state senators, uh, Janelle Perez, who's down in the Miami area, uh, and Unique Ortiz, uh, who's up uh, in the, the Tampa Bay area. Um, you know, that would triple our representation in the state Senate, um, which is a place up until just a couple years ago, we've never been present before. Mm. Now, do you see a, a change in the tide coming with, you know, the primaries are coming up in, in just over two months? What do you think that that map now is going to look like? Yeah. 
That is uh, an important question, right? Everyone running in these districts, someone I didn't mention who is in a literal 50-50 district, so a true swing seat, is Adam Gentle, um, also running for the state house. You know, winning in those seats uh, showcases that hatred is not a winning battle. It's not a winning strategy. And I think that as, you know, Ron DeSantis looks at running for president, um, you know, and is running for re-election, uh, hopefully he'll be judged, um, you know, poorly uh, on that front and show that people want to actually have elected officials solving their problems, not passing targeted hatred like they did in Florida. Definitely. At least 20 states have introduced don't say gay laws this year. Are we going to see more of this trend moving forward? Uh, sadly, it looks like we are. There's still some bills that are being considered, but that's why it's so paramount for LGBTQ people and our allies to step up and vote this year and show that the people, you know, passing this legislation, advocating for this legislation, don't deserve to be in government. They need to show up, vote for the LGBTQ candidates, and support our other allies uh, and repudiate this hatred. Definitely. I meant the trend, actually, of LGBTQ candidates running and winning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that absolutely. We have a record amount of candidates. Uh, not only running overall uh, in the United States of America this year, but also a record amount of endorsements here at the Victory Fund. Um, We hope that this inspires more folks to get involved um, and get trained to step up and run for office. We need to elect over 35,000 more LGBTQ people to public office in order to have our baseline you know, representation. Right now, we just have a little over a thousand in the entire country. Okay. And to find someone maybe in your area who you could vote for, just go to victoryfund.org. Thank you so much. That was Sean Malloy, VP of Political Programs at Victory Institute. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. You too. All right. We got more Let's Go There coming up next. So stick around. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So while quiet quitting is at an all-time high, which I think that this concept has been around, we just keep renaming it because it's so passive-aggressive. Psychology Today... I had this whole conversation on this show, and I was fought and argued with on this. With me? No, with Ryan, and you were on the same page as me. As far as it being passive-aggressive? Yes. It is very passive-aggressive. I was just like, you know, just Say it like you you mean it, yeah. I, I said that, and also... I feel like, obviously, if you don't have a choice to leave, you don't have a choice, right? Like, if you're stuck in a, in a certain position financially, et cetera. I yeah. get it. Um, but I was just like, yeah, like, why be okay with putting in, ha- like, not being who you actually feel like you are authentically, yeah. right? That's going to affect evaluations and even recommendations. Also, it impacts your mental health, actually. Anyway, it does. Yeah. Well, according to Psychology Today, Americans are falling in love with passive aggression and it's hurting careers, relationships, and mental health, Shara. Mm-hmm. So this trend, you know, it does come from, you know, a slow fade rather. That's what psychology today calls it. Because essentially that's what it is. And so now even in the dating world, there's now a term called quiet dumping. <laughs> Which involves distancing yourself from your partner over time rather than having an honest conversation. Stop with these Gen Z trends. And it is more passive aggressive than ghosting. The previous breakup choice for the conflict avoidant. Ignoring someone sends a stronger message than tapering back on your hangouts while staying in touch. Now, 
this is all over the place now. People are quiet dumping, quiet quitting, quiet unfriending. You know, this is when these buzzwords like boundaries are taken out of hand, right? Yeah. Taken to the next level, and I feel like used in a different way than that actually they're not meant to be used for. Yeah. Like, boundaries are there for a reason, but don't use it as an excuse to be an a-hole. Yeah, or inconsistent. I know for me, one of my biggest triggers is someone saying that they're going to do something and not doing it. Totally. Like, I've broken up with people and friends over that. Like, don't say, yeah, I'm, I'll come and help you Tuesday, and then you're a no-call, no-show. I will. That is the quickest way to get Sharjah Cell out of your life. So what do you think overall about this year? I mean, we kind of are on the same page of, as far as this being passive-aggressive. I would argue that it it's more damaging when it comes to your intrapersonal relationships than it is work, than it is the institution of working or the corporation of working when you start implementing these practices in your real life that is not only cowardly but it's harmful I I look at it as both because I feel like this idea that oh if I'm just doing it in my friendship I'm not doing it at work everything that you are in one place in your life ends up moving into another place in your oh life my no gosh. matter what one of my favorite life coaches always says if you do it anywhere you'll do it everywhere exactly so again <laughs> I think that becomes a blind spot I can't mm. tell how many people are like well this you know it's a work thing but that's not how I act personally or if this it's not like this you're like no actually that's a behavior of yours that you're you're probably blind to how you're bringing it into those other spaces. But guess what? You probably are. Now, hold on. Uh, 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 Aside from this, Psychology Today also says that we as Americans are becoming more addicted to passive aggression. We live in an increasingly fragmented world. Headquartered offices and centralized employee bases have now been replaced with Zoom and remote workforce. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that we're a more passive-aggressive type society now, post-2020? Yeah, if you see our social media, just you'll see that's who we are, an amplified version, right? And actually, that's even more aggressive. I would say it's a trolley, which can be like passive-aggressive. I think we are people that have... Unfortunately, what I'm seeing here is like a lack of sense of communication and compassion. I was even talking about this with someone else I know who's from uh, not from the U.S., And we were talking about follow-ups based on work. And she goes, the U.S., I specifically see this with U.S. clients. You'll have this amazing conversation. You'll pitch. And they just won't get back to you. Instead of saying, no, sorry, this is not the right thing. Which is like communicate. But she goes, everywhere else, they just at least say thank you. I'm I'm sorry. This was one of my first main complaints about Los Angeles when I first moved here. People would do that. It's not just L.A. In Chicago, no is not a bad word. People will tell you, we've chosen to go in a different direction. And we're going with a different candidate. Not even a thank you. I just need an answer. Don't tell me to circle back and check in when you know the answers. No. Yeah. It's very L.A. culture. So, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there. But, yeah, I, I guess some advice or something we could la- like leave with, just don't be passive-aggressive. Don't, don't be, be, don't be s- something to someone that you wouldn't want to happen to you. You would think it would be that easy. Yeah. Well, next up, <laughs> how to stop revenge bedtime procrastination what that even means this sounds like an attack on capricorns yes more after this let's go there with shira and ryan channel q if you're going to bed late and doom scrolling you might be someone who is experiencing revenge bedtime procrastination what is that exactly and this hit home for me it was coined by uh journalist Daphne K. Lee. It's described as a phenomenon in which people who don't have much control over their daytime life 
refuse to sleep early in order to regain sense of freedom during late night hours. I tend to be that person. Same. Like, I love the idea on the, when the weekend hits on Fridays or Saturdays. If I don't have plans, I love the idea of like, oh, I'm going to have some drinks and like watch until I'm so tired, watch a movie or a series mm-hmm. until I'm falling asleep in my bed or couch or on my couch. I think it's kind of like a bit of a, uh, a throwback to when I was a child. Like there's a, a bit of that happening mm-hmm. where I went on when I was a teen. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I could do that as an adult. Mm-hmm. But what do you I think? Feel, I mean, listen, I fall into this trap every day after work because, you know, I'm getting home, you know, almost close to 7 p.m., and then I shower immediately when I get in the in the door. Like I just you hop do. in the shower. Oh, oh that's in, good. in the name of monkeypox and everything, like I just need to get the day off of me. And then I put on, you know, my house clothes, my loungewear, and I try. That's how the multitasking has started for me, where I'm trying to watch a show and read a book at the same time. Yeah. And then I look up and it's two thirty a.m. So um, you have to do one or the other, I think. I know. It's like you're trying to do everything because you are trying to get your you time. Yeah, yeah, I really am. And I'm trying to to relax and determine whether or not I will actually eat dinner, which is terrible. Because sometimes I'm not hungry and sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like spending money to order in. And I certainly don't feel like slaving over a stove by the time I get home. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, it's watermelon flavored licorice and smart pop and a glass of lemonade or something. Oh, my God. It's quite terrible. All that sugar before bed? It's quite terrible. No. It's quite. I mean, at least I brush and floss. But when I get home, yes, I do want time for my myself, you know, or to catch up. My sister well, and my mother, like, FaceTiming. Um, like, I, I think you need to, like, decide on one thing at a time. Meaning, like... Have you decided on one thing, Shira? I'm, really kinda, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Because like, you, you can't decide on one thing before the show. So here's the thing. <laughs> at least I'm after the show. Uh, uh, but it's still impacting your sleep. You're an insomniac. Yes. Self- professed insomnia yes i don't think that's good i want i want better for you char thank you so this is what they're saying experts how to stop revenge bedtime procrastination they said to build in purposeful downtime before getting to sleep which means not binge watching your favorite show this is according to by the way an article in fortune right before bedtime if you need some help with self-control uh this doctor uh, suggests turning off the auto replay feature on your streaming service (laughs) Also, they said they recommend using your smartphone to set a timer to remind you when it's time to decompress. Uh, that never works for or me. Or using the downtime feature to block apps, blocking, and notifications. And they suggest doing something boring. You do one of these things. Reading. Reading does not bore me. Meditating <laughs> or journaling to help you unwind. I'm sorry to this article. Reading does not bore me, okay? I'd be ready to flip to the next page. And if you go to bed at 11, they said, try a bit earlier. Like, do 15, 10 to 15 minute increments instead of everything at once. It has been suggested that, you know, you charge your phone in another room. Because my phone sometimes. Yeah. Just learn to put it on, but on the other side. Anyway. Well, next up. What is a lesbian dance theory degree and how to obtain one? Professor, I mean GOP representative, Lauren Bobart, weighs in. Oh. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yes, welcome back to the show. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. But coming up in uh, this hour on the show, why some couples marry someone with their same first name. There's Ooh. a reason behind it in 15 minutes. And why one rock icon is leaving the U.S. to quote, I mean, because he doesn't want to die here in America. Yeah, he does not want to die here in America. Right, it's dark. Not, it's not what you think. Well, he is dark. <laughs> yeah. And it's not what you think. But before we hop into that, I want to let our listeners know that Channel Q wants to send them and a guest to Vegas to see the supreme diva Diana Ross. Mm. Now, Miss Ross returns for a limited engagement at Win Las Vegas, September 21st to October 1st. Head on over to wearechannelq.com and enter for your chance to win. All right, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour headlines. Republican Representative Lauren Boebert has bizarrely claimed President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan is funding degrees in lesbian dance theory. (laughs) Uh, How the heck can Joe Biden call America first conservatives a threat to democracy with a straight face and a dry diaper? He's the one who has allowed millions to invade our southern border. He's the one who is robbing hardworking Americans to pay for Karen's daughter's degree in lesbian dance theory. Can I just say that the dry diaper reference was a read. She got him with that. However, I am so sick of Republicans taking terms like woke and Karens and trying to repurpose them. Like, y'all don't, y'all don't get to do that. Lauren Bobart is a Karen, a textbook oh definition. What? It's the weirdest thing But wow, ever. what a fun degree. I wonder I mean, what goes into lesbian, <laughs> lesbian dance it. theory. Um, moving on to some uh, sad news. Uh, an employee who attempted to disarm a gunman was among the victims of a shooting inside a Safeway supermarket in Bend, Oregon, according to police today. Two people were killed in the shooting last night. The alleged gunman was also found dead inside the store of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Holy mm. horrific stuff. Um, the shooter was identified as 20-year-old Ethan Blair Miller, a Bend resident who lived near the shopping center. Police also believe that the suspect entered from the back of the shopping center, initially fired into a Costco parking lot Mm. and a big lot store. Anyway, there were no injuries reported to either of those locations. He then entered the Safeway and uh, shot this person near the west entrance. Anyway, it's really unfortunate and... Beyond unfortunate. It's really sad. Yeah, we don't when like you know reporting on, about the, these on stories. On Sundays, you know, people are at Costco and yeah. Big Lots. Like, families are there. Like, ugh, people need to get it together. Yeah, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Well, speaking of gun violence, after more than two decades in L.A., Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne are returning home to the United Kingdom with gun crimes in the United States being a primary reason. Ozzy just did an interview for The Observer, and he says, everything is effing ridiculous there. I'm fed up with people getting killed every day. God knows how many people have been shot in school shootings. And there's that mass shooting in Vegas at the concert. It's effing crazy. And I don't want to die in America. I don't want to be buried in Forest Lawn, which, if you, for those of you who don't know, is the famous cemetery where all the celebs are in uh, Burbank, and it borders mm. Glendale as well. He says, I'm English. I want to go back. 
And so they will be going back. They will be returning. They're selling their mansion in Hancock Park. It's on the market for $18 million, and they will be moving back to their 350-acre estate in Buckinghamshire, United Kingdom. Mm. So uh, that's that on that. You know, whether you're a fan or not, I guess they're raising, well, their talking points are raising good talking points. Like, if, if celebrities are leaving... Come on now, America, get it together. Right. We well, need some gun reform. It, but it's it's that, and then who wants to be here with also the healthcare system? Yeah, and we know I mean, Ozzy has had his thing. fair share exactly. of healthcare problems, but now at least Sharon will be closer to Pierce Morgan, oh, her BFF. Damn. So that's that oh. on that. That's the T report for this hour. Stick around because I got more for you next hour, including what Euphoria star is getting dragged all up and down the internet. If you squint. You'll know before I tell you. Okay. Well, next up, Taylor Lautner. You know the actor from... Yes, he is so fine. Twilight, Twilight, baby. Twilight. That one. Oh. He is marrying someone also named Taylor, and it turns out there's an underlying reason why after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Taylor Lautner, the uh, actor from Twilight. That's how he the, became the famous. The werewolf. Yes. He is marrying... Uh, someone whose name is also Taylor. So she will become Taylor Lautner as well. They will both be the Taylor Lautners. Yeah, and we should mention that she had a choice to take his last name. I wonder why she didn't hyphenate. I would have hyphenated. Well, it's I'm a always choice, I guess. But there's a, a reason why like, we do this, right? Whether it be taking the partner's last name or possibly, I don't know, dating someone with our same name. <laughs> Well, Brett Pelham, a professor of psychology at Montgomery College in Maryland, joins us right now. Thanks for being here. No problem. Thank you for having me. So it seems like while we're all fascinated by this whole thing, they're not the first couple to do this. And there's a reason behind it. Can you explain? Yes, I can try to explain, but I should say up front that in you know, in the case of social science, they're often three, four, five, eight reasons why people do <laughs> things. So obviously yes. I don't know that my reason is the reason. Okay. But my research shows very clearly that all else held equal, people have a pretty strong preference for people, places, and things that resemble almost any aspect of them, including their names, their birthday months, their birthday numbers, their home street addresses. Anything that reminds me of me is something <laughs> that I'm likely to be attracted to. You know, it's so funny that even you're... as I get old and gray, I still like I still like people when I when I meet them and their name resembles my name. So maybe when I'm maybe that won't be true forever, but that seems to be the case. It's so and funny. And I have lots that... of studies showing that. It is so funny that you mentioned this because I was thinking about this show I was watching on Showtime called Couples Therapy. There were two Michaels, but one was female, one was male. And then I did meet a guy who had the exact same birthday of me. He just was two years younger, and I thought that it was like divine alignment. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny yeah. that you I mentioned mean, that's this. A, that's a pretty robust effect that people overmarry other people whose birthday numbers are the same as their birthday numbers. I'll tell you another thing. I automatically like to share because I have a good friend named Shira Gabriel. <laughs> and when I heard Shira, I'm like, oh, of course, I can't not like Shira. I don't know any rhymes I would like Ryan, too, I'm sure. But when you have a friend and someone has your friend's name, you're going to be predisposed to like them. Well, my name is Shar. Ryan's, Ryan's out today. Out, Do you know any Shars? Oh, did, I, did I misread it? <laughs> Shara, not Shira. No, no Shira I'll and say, Shar. Today no, Ryan is out. Today it's oh, Shira oh, okay. and Shar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to confuse you. All right, I got it. So what about, right. so does that happen on the inverse? Like, what if it's someone I cannot stand? Because I can think about a few guys who things have gone south with with me. And it's like, when I come across other people with their name, it's kind of like, mm, I got a wall up already. 
Yes, it does happen. So I'll give you an example from my life. I had a crush. I won't say any names because this is decades ago. <laughs> on a woman in high school, and I met a woman in college who looked so much like her, and she seemed to have a crush on me, and I just wasn't having it because I'd been burned too many times. So I think it's basically classical conditioning, right? So the puppy hears the bell ring, and they know food is coming, and the bell makes them happy. They hear the buzzer, and it means electric shock is coming. They get nervous. So there's, I mean, there's nothing magic about this effect. It's all psychology. It's basically classical conditioning. I suppose a person had a difficult enough life and hated their name enough, they might even have an aversion toward other people, but luckily that doesn't happen very much. You know, I would call it implicit bias, but you're saying there's also something called implicit egotism. Can you explain? Yes, we do call it implicit egotism because it's an egotistical bias, sort of narcissistic, I'm awesome. I would put implicit bias in that big umbrella of implicit social cognition where lots of things that we do are happening at a level we might not be consciously aware of. So there's explicit egotism. Sometimes people are aware of it. Oh, we got the same name. Oh, we went to the same uh, high school. But we also have shown that it happens when people are completely oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, because I'm thinking as you're speaking, I'm like, yeah, there's certain zodiac signs that I don't really get down with as a, as a result. <laughs> are there? I'm serious. But you obviously love Pisces, because that's me. I mean, let, let yes. that one goes without saying. Yes, yeah, I, okay. I actually do like Pisces. I have two <laughs> sisters, and they're bo- they both are Pisces. Now, what about, because there's a running joke. Like, I have a lot of friends that are gay men, and there's a running joke that gay men typically, you know, date men that look just like them. Like, I have friends whose exes look like they could be siblings of them. Does they, yeah. Do these same, like, you know, I guess theories apply to that as well? I, I would love to have data on, let's say, gay marriages, for example. I don't know of any big data sets that I've been able to, to access yet, but I've had lots of data sets with, you know, straight marriages because they've been happening for a few hundred years. Mm-hmm. So I don't have data, but I would be surprised if it didn't apply to any kind of relationship, LBTQ+. Plus. I, don't, I, I, I can't see why it wouldn't happen. Yeah. But we don't know for sure until we get the data, right? Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, research has shown that. Here's another example. Nick Epley did a very clever study where he showed that if you take Brad Pitt's photo and you morph it with my photo, I'm not quite as handsome as Brad Pitt, by the way. I'll admit that openly. I'm, uh, maybe not. In, anyway, I'm, I'm joking because I'm not a super handsome guy. <laughs> but if you morph my photo with Brad Pitt and you ask me which one is the true you, I think it's the one that, that leans toward Brad Pitt, <laughs> especially if I have high implicit self-esteem, especially if I love my name, especially if I love my birthday number. So uh, it happens at a lot of different levels from the perceptual to the what you remember. So, for example, if I meet a person, their birthday is the same amount, I'm less likely to forget them. And that means maybe I call them back. And then that leads to, you know, friendships or work relationships or even marriages. So with this said, I don't know if we could control this, but should we be aware of this as we're dating or partnering, you know, maybe opening up our field, knowing that we we have these biases? Or even finding friends. I think so. That's a really great question. It has many answers because there's a very powerful tendency beyond implicit egotism for us to be attracted to people who are like us. That's part of what creates the echo chambers on the Internet. We both we both agree. Everybody loves Trump. Who doesn't love Trump? Who doesn't love, you know, whatever your group is? Mm. Because you tend to gravitate toward people just like you, you don't hear anyone telling you the truth. You don't hear anyone saying, wait a minute, that's a, a conspiracy theory. And so we end up believing things that are very much like the things that our siblings and romantic partners believe, even, of course, if they don't have good evidence. So... 
Yes. Now, on the other hand, there are people who make a conscious effort to step outside their comfort zone. Me? And and research on uh, stereotyping, for example, shows that's very healthy. One of the best ways to lose your stereotypes about a group of people is to actually meet people from that group instead of just reading about them at, on uh, on the Internet, for example. So yeah. simple contact with people who are different than you really opens people's minds and it reduces our prejudices. Amazing. Well, that was Brett Pelham, professor of psychology at Montgomery College in Maryland. Thank you so much. Very interesting stuff. Thank you so much for having me. Well, coming up next, are you willing to change yourself for your next opportunity, Mm -hmm. your next gig, even your next relationship? We're talking with Tabitha Brown, just recently made news about. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. One of my favorite people on the Internet, Tabitha Brown, who's an influencer and an actress, she just recently shared a message um, and announced that her competition cooking show, titled It's Complicated, has been removed from the Food Network's primetime lineup and placed in the afternoon slot. You know, that's where shows typically go to die. Now, in a video uploaded to her social media, Brown did not explicitly name the network, um, but she did give a rousing speech about living in her authentic self. Let's take a listen. There is not a company. There is not a network. There is not a person, place or thing that is going to change who I am. Oh, now, while we don't know details, we've seen this happen before. And before we hop into this conversation, what came to mind for me was Ianla Van Zant, who is one of my favorite life coaches. In mm-hmm. the 90s, she was working with Oprah. Oprah would give up like Tuesdays. Oprah would sit in the audience of her show and let Ianla have the stage. Well, Barbara Walters came around snooping around, and it became this war between Oprah and Barbara Walters. Who was going to get Ianla? Ianla actually ended up going with Barbara Walters, and what oh, happened really? was Barbara did give her her own show. But it was it flopped after season one because they wow. changed everything about Ayanla. She's a spiritual guru, a huh. life coach, and they had her hosting like dog competition, like the world's fastest dog type shows. So I wanted to talk to you, Shira, about, I guess, standing firm in your convictions and and honoring your authentic self. And what does that look like to you? And I'm asking this because we both are in this media space and we both have had opportunities thrown our way, which we have can acknowledge have not been the the best for us. How do you, I guess, determine when it's time to go or when something isn't for you from jump? That's hard because sometimes you feel like you need to take the deal, right? And I think it takes a lot of inner work and self knowing your self-worth to be able to say no to something, even though in your head you might have thought in the past this is a dream come true. Yeah. Right. And that's like that's it's challenging. Yeah. I often hear that faith and fear cannot exist at the same time. So what place are you operating from? Are you operating from a place of fear or operating from a place of faith? And I guess faith in context with that would be like, okay, I'm going to let this go because I have faith that something better is coming. But it does get scary. It does get scary, especially when you feel overlooked and some of the frustrations that come with auditionings and these general meetings and these development deals. It just seems like. You want to grab the first fish that bites the hook. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that in a in a industry where you've either gotten a lot of no's and someone finally says yes, yeah, right, you might think to yourself, it is a very scarcity mindset. Or it's yeah. like if you're dating and someone finally is like, I'm in love with you. But in your mind, you're like, you know, this is not the right person. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have done this. We stay with that person anyway because yeah. we don't know any better. 
And then, yeah, and, and so many Hollywood stories are rooted in you hear a million no's and all it takes is that one yes. But how do you then determine what is the right yes? Exactly. And I think that, listen, I've, I've, done, I've said yes to many things and worked with many people where I've moved aside my own vibe where I was told, like, do certain things or we don't like this, that, that. And there are certain, like, I think there are parameters around that. Yeah, you have, there's f- Feedback is okay, right? Uh, but then if you feel like you are in spaces where you can't be yourself, that mm-hmm. becomes an issue because then that's in an unsustainable relationship and it's doomed to fail. And Tabitha did mention, like, she's not changing the way she speaks. So I wonder what notes might have come down from the higher ups that, you know, totally, maybe they told her to straighten her hair. You just or never know. You think about Ariana Grande who had to wear extensions and wigs because, you know, that network was dyeing her hair. They didn't put her in a red wig. They were damaging her hair to the point where she can even wear her natural hair out because they were dyeing it like every... <laughs> you know, twice a month, this bright red. And so it does get very, very challenging. And I'd venture to say the more uh, of the margins that you are in society, the more challenging it is, because it does feel like, you know, I'll just say as a black woman who Mm -hmm. is trans, it does feel like, okay, when is the next opportunity coming? I don't know. You know, so you end up accepting crumbs for a connection and it's not always always the best but I totally agree with Tabitha here because I'm pretty firm in who I am I also am pretty stubborn and I don't think I don't see myself bending or breaking to to fit an audience or it depends on what it is yeah and and Tabitha has been very open about her journey and the fact that you know she was an actress she is an actress but when she was really in the beginnings of her career and for a long time straining her losing a lot of weight and I think she finally came to a place in her success where she was truly being herself and that was being embraced so why would you take a few steps back in that way that could be very traumatizing I think it's a matter also of just sitting in and trusting that your gift will make room for you. That's literally it. Your gift, your gift will make room for you. And she's the type that if this isn't the right home, I'm sure there will be many other. Good right, that's the thing. Her. She's beloved. You don't hear exactly. anything negative about her. No, she's I've great. met the woman. She's been on our show before. Yeah, let's go there. I met her last year at a at a brunch that she was being interviewed. We have a cute selfie together on my IG. Love it. And like, yeah, I think that all of that stuff, kind of like if someone tries to blacklist you or tarnish your name, the content of your character will rise above all of that. And that will then determine, you know, what you're still getting and stuff. And Tabitha is beloved. A lot of people like her. So I don't know what's going on over there at the Food Network, but I think this is a testament to stand firm in your convictions yep. and don't be bending and breaking for a check because it's hardly ever worth it and you're going to end up miserable. Exactly. <laughs> well, next up, the era trend taking over the internet. What era are you in? More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Another day, another TikTok trend. No, we keep you in the loop. You keep me in the loop, sister. (laughs) If y'all go visit my TikTok, it's a bit dry over there. (laughs) Well, there's this era trend happening and flooding people's feeds this summer, I guess depending on you know, who you're following, where people are presenting changes in their lifestyle or attitude by announcing with this self-aware, dramatic attitude that they've entered a new era. So what does that mean? Basically, it's a way of taking ownership of your own story, even the messy parts. Uh, And so I guess with that, and I'll I'll give you some examples. I want to know from everyone here what era they're in. There's the flop era, villain era, reputation era. These are some examples. But I'll go to you, Shar. What era are you in? 
I am in my self-love era. Okay. And I don't mean that like to be, you know, shallow or hollow, but no. I am really in a space right now where it demands radical self-love in order for me to get to the next stage or what I deem or what I think would be the next stage of my own personal growth. And so that's what I call the era that I'm in right now. Oh, I love it. So it's not messy. Is that messy? No, it's not. I've gotten rid of all of the mess in my life. There's oh. no sloppy messiness. Sorry to not entertain you all, but I have worked tirelessly to clean everything up and remove people who don't deserve to be here anymore. And I'm doing just fine. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Shelby? Uh, kind of on the flip side, I am unfortunately in my mentally ill era. Uh, lots of meetings with my psychiatrist and my therapist. Uh, I literally posted something yesterday that I'm in my mentally ill era because I randomly decided to reorganize my room and rearrange it. I'm like, okay. it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like flipping my bed against a wall. I'm moving my mini fridge. I'm reorganizing everything. I am not okay. Thank you. Aww. What era are you in, Shira? <laughs> but it's nice to change the feng shui of the room every yeah. once in a while. I, you I gotta be real. Last night. And when I'm, the spirit hits you, you gotta do it. If it hits you at 10 exactly. p.m., yeah, yeah, get to yeah. moving that bed around. I mean, it, it did boost my mood a little bit. I, hey, my room feels a little go. more open, but that's mm -hmm. great. I'm feeling weird today. So it's a roller coaster. I love so, you So, Shira, for that, what Shira. era are you in? Because I, I can my... think of a few. <laughs> oh, I wanna hear. I'm in my. Uh, life transitions era. Okay. <laughs> I was definitely along that that uh, train Where, of thought. You know, things are changing in terms of work. Things are changing in terms of me moving and possibly moving in with my, my boyfriend. All this stuff. Kind of entering puzzle new pieces. chapters. Your puzzle piece era. Yeah, my puzzle piece era. <laughs> what other era, era? What other era did you have? What were the names you wanted and to you add? You know what? They're not appropriate for this oh, segment no, on air. I kind of want to hear. You're doing break. This is fun, though. I feel like one of the youth now. I mean, exactly. We're, we're cool moms. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what era you're in, if, if you want, at LGT Show. We love to hear from you. Slide into our DMs. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we are wrapping up the show, as we always do, with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. This one goes to uh, more amazing young people out of Florida, queer teens who successfully ousted two anti-LGBTQ lunatics, they're calling these people, from a school board <laughs> in a conservative county. The ousted board members include a woman, and this is according to LGBTQ Nation, who once asked the police to investigate school libraries for offering an LGBTQ-themed book, and a woman who called activists useless. And a, a specific shout-out to, uh, I'll share the names of these teens, Elisa Vidal, Cameron Driggers, and a notable gay student activist, Jack Petotes. And uh, you might wonder how they did this. Well, the recall group reached out to tens of thousands of voters through campaigns on some social media platforms. They also partnered with the Florida Democratic Party to knock on nearly 5,000 doors according, wow. according to the L.A. Blade. Wow. Yeah. So They were determined. They and rightfully were. so. Yeah, and I'm happy. That, I mean, this really shows with all the mess that's happening that there can be some change little by little. Yeah, so. Florida's given me a lot of hope during today's show. Exactly. When things seem abysmal over there. Right? It's like talking to people who live there and coming across stories like this. It's a bit refreshing. Yep. That's the silver lining. That's our Yes Queen of the day. Yes Queen. And that also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow. Weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. What's up tomorrow, producer Shelby? 
Sadly, we are having another heat wave and it's hitting everywhere, specifically California. We're going to see like over 100 um, towards the end of this week. So we're going to get into what even causes heat waves, how to protect yourself during them and what it could do infrastructurally to where you live. Yikes. Wow. That means L.A. is going to be a zoo this weekend. Oh, absolutely. Labor Day weekend. Exactly. Traffic's about to be yeah. bonkers. If you're planning a beach day, you better plan like a work day. Be up at 8 a.m. Don't be trying to head to the beach at 1 p.m. You're going to be in gridlock traffic. Yeah, or just stay home, I guess, with, in, if you have air conditioning, <laughs> No, of people course. are going out for Labor Day. Yeah. All right. Well, again, we have a podcast, so you can catch up on everything you missed on our show, our interviews, and more. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And I love us for real. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Bye. Have a Bye. great night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 